0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. The apostles gathered around Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. He said to them, come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat when they got out of the boat. People at once recognized him and rushed about that whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces. And begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord.
1: Lord In the name of the Holy Trinity, one God, Amen. One of the privileges I have as a priest is to be able to spend time with couples as they uh, prepare for their wedding day. And there are many different ways of uh, helping a couple prepare. What I particularly like is using a book uh, entitled The Marriage Journey. It's written by an Episcopal couple, uh, Linda and Glover Grintz. What I like about the book is that each chapter covers a particular aspect of marital life, and then at the end of the chapter, there are a number of questions. And those questions are an opportunity for the couple to go through and see what questions pop out at them and to spark a conversation. And it's also an opportunity to bring up some things that perhaps wouldn't come up otherwise. But with the question right there, it really works. Well, then we meet together, and I ask if there's anything that they've been talking about that they want to uh, Uh, work with me on, and I also uh, many times will offer things that I've come across along the way. And sometimes I tell them about a priest that I uh, got to know who is from West Texas. Now, West Texas is more rugged than West of Worcester, (laughs) (laughs) and it's pretty rough. And this guy was pretty rough. Uh, He drank an awful lot of beer. I remember that. (laughs) But The thing that he said one time that really stuck with me was this. He said, if a couple wants their marriage to last a long time, they should have at least one meal a day together with the television off. And I thought that was really sound advice. Now, this was in the 70s. I've come to realize that our lives today are so complicated and are so busy That I think there are many, many people who cannot find even one meal a day to have together, to share together in quietness, to talk about what's gone on in the day or perhaps what's ahead for the day. It's our lives are just incredibly complicated. I remember uh, sitting across the table at a wedding uh, rehearsal dinner from a couple who were attorneys in Manhattan, a young couple. And as we talked, they talked about how their professions were all consuming, all consuming to the point they said that they were decided they had decided that they had to make a change in their life because they wanted to have a family and the lives that they were leading in Manhattan as attorneys did not allow for that. I think, too, that the church can sometimes uh, be an instrument of um, adding more busyness to people's lives. Becky and I have talked about that a number of times. We may think of something, maybe we ought to do this, and then we'll think, well, you know, then we're going to have people deciding if they're going to take more time away from their family in order to be at the church. So there is that balance that I think we need to find in our lives, but it's very, very difficult. Now, we might think that this is something that's unique to our time, but listen to what Mark says in the portion of gospel we had today. For many were coming and going, and they, that is the disciples, had no leisure even to eat. Yes, even Jesus and the disciples found themselves sometimes overbooked and out of time. Well, this particular account, the first part of it, by the way, this, this uh, lectionary is uh, a bit frustrating. The first half of what was read from the gospel is uh, precedes... The feeding of the five thousand and Jesus walking on the water. And then when it says and they cross when they cross over to the other side, that's after all those things happen. So it's a little it's a little weird. But what I'm going to address is that first part. It's Jesus and the disciples coming together after the disciples had been out on their mission going two by two to proclaim the gospel, to heal the sick, to cast out demons and one can imagine that they had many stories that they wanted to tell there certainly were successes but there probably were also some failures and some disappointments well as they gathered with Jesus their teacher and wanted to share these things it became impossible for them to do it because there were so many people seeking out Jesus and the disciples so Jesus said we need to get get out of here we've got to get away from here get some time away So they get go into a boat and they start going up the shore. And of course, the people could see where they were going and the people ran ahead and they met them when they arrived in this other location where they were looking for peace and quiet. And the scripture says when Jesus came ashore, he saw all the people and had compassion for them. I think one of the things that we learn from this passage is, is one of the characteristics of God as we see it demonstrated in the life of Jesus. And that is compassion. The English is often thought of the, the, the word compassion in English is often thought of as being synonymous with pity. But pity is an emotion disconnected from the experience of the other. And it's possible to have pities while standing apart. From the one who is suffering. But the German word really gets it right. The German word for compassion is mitleid. With suffering. Jesus was suffering with those who came to him when he came ashore. He was suffering with them. He wasn't standing apart from them and having pity on them. But he entered into their experience and he suffered with them. He had compassion. That is a characteristic of our God, to have compassion, to suffer with. There have been so many times that I've been with people at their bedside, in the hospital, other places where they are suffering, and I know they're wondering and I'm wondering, where is God? And the truth is that God is suffering with them. God is present with them. I believe that this passage also points to a couple of things that we struggle with as Christians. First, how do we balance self-care and work? This has always been something that I've struggled with because my formation in life has been primarily in the military. Uh, They didn't worry much about how we balance self-care and work. But 20 years ago, when I was in seminary, the church was very worried about that. And you might recall, this was at the height of Uh, the time when there was clergy misconduct and there was a great deal of concern about why was this happening? And one of the things they settled on was the the fact that many clergy had poor boundaries. They, They did not separate their professional life from their private life. They had bad boundaries when it came to their relationship with children and with other people. So there was a tremendous amount of emphasis on that and as a result of that I've heard of cases where Parishioners have not been able to reach their parish priest because it's his day off, and even if it's a family emergency. So there became an awareness that there needed to be more balance when it came to this idea of how you split personal time and professional time. But I tell you this because it's not just a concern for the clergy. This is also a concern for lay workers in the church, but I think especially it's true as well for committed volunteers in the church. It's very easy, it's very seductive for us to pour ourselves out, to empty ourselves, but we must remember we're not Jesus. Jesus emptied himself, but he could do that, but we can't. If we empty ourselves, there's nothing left. So there is that need for boundaries, and there's a need for understanding how to balance our private life, our personal life, our self-care, and our professional lives. And I think that's true not just in the church, but in, uh, in secular vocations as well. And a lot of families have been destroyed because of a workaholic husband or one who could not make time for family relationships and for friends. Well, Jesus understood this, I think, as he looked at the disciples and realized that they were tired and they needed to get away. The compassion that he had forced him, it seems, to delay that, to set that aside. And I think that is what's called for when we look for balance in that aspect of our life. There are times when we may be tired, but because of compassion, seeing where the need is and knowing that it must be met now, we must set aside that need for rest. The second thing but I think is so obvious in this particular section of Scripture, but we see it throughout the Gospels. Rarely in the Gospels do we hear anything about Jesus in the temple or in synagogues. His ministry was in the world. He ministered among people in their real lives where it's messy and where life is very complicated and relationships are messed up. I have often thought that the Gospels protect us, it seems, from the reality of the kind of life that Jesus actually lived. The life that Jesus lived was probably, setting aside all the accoutrements of modern life, was probably not much unlike life that we live. Families are messed up. Almost every family has some dysfunction within it. And we we want to hide that. We don't want people to know sometimes how messed up it is. Jesus entered into that. He wanted to know about that. Jesus was in relationship with people whose lives were struggles, with people whose lives were hurting. And I think it was out of that compassion that he had that brought him out into the world and willing to be with people in the most difficult of situations. One of the best examples that I know of, of someone whose ministry was in the world, was that of Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Mother Teresa had been a member of of an order of nuns, and in 1948, uh, she believed she was called to go to Calcutta and establish this uh, ministry among the poorest of the poor. She went with a sari, which she wore, and five rupees to her name, and I... I looked up uh, what a rupee's worth, and, and five rupees, I think, would be worth less than a dime. That's in today's money. Hard to know what it was in '48. So she went as a poor person to live among the poor. But, and, and everybody knows, I think, about the tremendous success that she had and the, the ministry of that, uh, of that particular uh, mission that she established, how profoundly important it was to the poor of Calcutta. But what very few of us knew was that she struggled enormously in her spiritual life. And she wrote about that. And there's a book out now that uh, has her private writings in it. And she talked about these struggles in a number of ways. But most of all, as an absence of God's presence, as an emptiness, a loneliness, pain and spiritual dryness, Can you relate to any of those? And then she wrote, There is so much contradiction in my soul. No faith, no love, no zeal. I find no words to express the depths of the darkness. My heart is so empty, so full of darkness. I don't pray any longer. The work holds no joy, no attraction. I have no faith. I don't believe. And we thought we had spiritual struggles. This is a saint who struggled with her unbelief. A saint who had times of the absence of God, the feeling of the absence of God. And I think it's so important for us to distinguish between the reality of God's presence in our lives versus the feeling we might have or not have about that presence. We can't trust our feelings when it comes to that. God is present in our lives always. Invited or not, God is there. Mother Teresa had compassion. She suffered with. That was her whole life in that ministry in Calcutta. She suffered with those who were the poorest of the poor. I believe that God calls us into the world to be people of compassion. We may be tired. We may get discouraged. We may have times of great doubt and unbelief. But I believe that God will provide what is needed in order for us to live as people of compassion. Amen.